Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. I was not ladylike, nor was I manly. I was something else altogether. There were so many ways to be beautiful. Welcome to Storytelling Genderbending, the 192nd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of author Michael Cunningham. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn. I'm Ode's mother. And I'm very excited about storytelling. I always love the storytelling <laughs> episodes. They're so much fun. And this was fun to research, you yeah. know, to look for. Housekeeping. Do we have any housekeeping we need to do? Actually, we do. I will be at Arts and Craft right. for their, they're having a, an anniversary sale. I'm not exactly sure what the celebration is about. It's just celebratory. It's just celebratory. And I and several other people will be reading tarot or doing mm-hmm. divination. I think there's going to be some vendors. It should be fun. So it's from noon to five, Saturday, June 24th. Anything else? No, that's it. In that case, we are housekept and housewept. All right. Let's start with one of mom's stories. Okay. The first one isn't really so much a story. It is the telling of a famous pharaoh. Mm-hmm. They were discovered in, not until the 19th century. Evidence of their reign was mm-hmm. not discovered until the 19th century. But they were the sixth pharaoh of the 18th dynasty from 1479 to 1458 BC. Mm-hmm. Their name was Hatshepsut. They began life as a woman who was married to Tutmos II, Mm-hmm. And he must have become ill or something because she was ruling, or I should say they, were ruling as regent until Tutmos II died. And then the throne passed to their son, Tutmos III. Okay. However, Tutmos III was too young to ascend to the Still throne. just a baby. Yep. They continued as regent for mm-hmm. three more years until suddenly, for unknown reasons, mm-hmm. they became known as Pharaoh. They officially okay. became the pharaoh of so Egypt. So Hatshepsut was ruling as regent. As regent, and then began ruling as pharaoh. And you'll understand why I'm calling them they uh-huh. became pharaoh. Okay. And they became a, a apparently an excellent pharaoh and had a, a good long reign. Of course, one of the few women to mm-hmm. have been pharaoh. But the reason I say they is because... Even though no one knows why they took officially took the throne, almost immediately mm-hmm. when they took the throne, they were depicted in male regalia while still retaining the feminine pronouns within the name. Interesting. Exactly. That's why I'm referring to them. Yeah. Even though in so all in, the books and everything, the it's her it and he. Because that was the, the language that was being used at the time was feminine language. Exactly. A masculine presentation. And so apparently for the entirety of their reign, once they became pharaoh, they were depicted as both male and female in regalia and in name. Non-binary pharaoh, y'all. Yep, and you can you can find their statuary. There, you know, mm-hmm. they are both both male and female. Spell the name so people can look this up. Hatshepsut. H a t s h e p s u t. And nobody really knew about them uh-huh. until the 19th century when evidence... You and know, it sounds they, like it's still kind of mysterious. It's still like kind exactly of mysterious. Exactly how this reign came about. Yeah, no one knows why they officially became pharaoh. And, and apparently they always depicted them in this way huh. once the, they became the pharaoh. Masculine the masculine, feminine, visuals, visuals the, of both. The feminine pronouns. And apparently that was pretty well accepted within <laughs> Egyptian society. That's really neat. They were a real person. And, right, and yeah. the, there's not a mythology about them. 
I thought that was kind of neat. Oh, no. Oh, Raina Gray says, at least until her shitty stepson took over and was seemingly convinced to deface all of their monuments. That may be why they were not recognized until yeah. the 19th century. Yeah, that may be. I still think it is amazing that they ruled for as long as they did. Yeah. From 1479 to 1458. That's very cool. So my first story is going to be about Krishna and Mohini. So there's this is a little complicated because Hindu mythology is very complex and layered and sometimes there are a lot of regional variations I'm discovering. Vishnu is a very important deity in the Hindu religion. Vishnu has various avatars and two of Vishnu's avatars are Krishna and Mohini. There are many other avatars. But Mohini is the only female avatar of Vishnu. Mm -hmm. Krishna is one of Vishnu's most popular avatars, is known as a really compassionate avatar, really associated with love and gentleness and all these kinds of things. So in a southern Indian folktale, there is the story of Aravan. And Aravan was participating in this battle this 18-day war, and was selected to be a sacrifice to secure Kali's favor in the battle. Oh, that's important. So, a very important mm -hmm. role in this, in this war. And Aravan agreed to be the sacrifice to secure this victory for his father and uncles. Mm -hmm. But Krishna was present at the time and was sort of negotiating all of this. Mm -hmm. And so Aravan asked Krishna for three boons. And the three boons that he wanted were he wanted to die gloriously in battle, he wanted to witness the full uh, extent of the war, and he wanted to be married before he died. Because in the Hindu tradition, you get two different funerary rites. So bachelors who die unmarried mm -hmm. are buried and married men who die are cremated. Right. And they get different funeral rites. And he wanted the married man's funeral rites. So he wanted to be married before he died. Mm -hmm. Krishna was like, all right, I can, I can make this happen. Step one, I will make one specific person on the opposite side of the battle, super strong, strong enough to defeat you in battle, even though you're like a, an incredibly strong dude yourself. Mm -hmm. Like you're an incredibly powerful warrior. It's going to be hard to arrange for you to die gloriously in battle instead of ignominiously in some way. So I'll just like bless some other guy on the battlefield and we'll arrange for you two to meet in the middle and he can kill you so that, so, so that you die gloriously. <laughs> and then that I'll take all my power back from that dude. Okay. So that he doesn't like upset the, the battle. Right. This seems like a dodgy proposition. Yes. Well, he's being sacrificed anyway. So he's right. being sacrificed for the battle. So That's true. So I guess he wants it done his way. Anyway, exactly. So Christian's like, all right, so we'll arrange for you to die gloriously in battle. To ensure that you see the whole battle, what we'll do is we'll cut your head off and we'll stick it on a pole after you die and, and then animate it and you'll be able to watch the battle through the eyes of your of your own severed head until all the way to the end so that you can see that your side wins creepy right but <laughs> effective right it gets the job done and aravan <laughs> is you know is accepting these conditions okay okay and then krishna goes around and asks all the eligible maidens in the area like who's gonna marry this guy he will be dying the next day there's a reason why someone might not want to marry him there are a number of reasons. So none of the ladies in the area are willing to do it. They don't want to marry this guy for one day mm -hmm. and then have to be in mourning. But Krishna has promised this guy, yeah, I will ensure that you're married before you die. And it's uh, a condition of the sacrifice. <laughs> if Krishna can't arrange this, Aravan will not be the sacrifice to ensure the victory in this upcoming battle. Hmm. So Krishna's like, okay. Gotta be creative. I'm gonna have to, yeah, I'm gonna have to be creative on this one. 
So Krishna transforms into Mohini, who is one of Vishnu's other avatars, and becomes Krishna Mohini, rather than just like regular Mohini, who is just another avatar of Vishnu, who is known as this uh, is known as Mohini the Enchantress. Ooh. She's this femme fatale avatar who, like in another story, Mohini seduces Shiva, who is like the ultimate celibate and and has gained like ultra strong powers from celibacy. So she seduces. Shiva to to depower him like so we're talking this would be a major win yes <laughs> for this dude who's being sacrificed yes Aravan is marrying way way, way up. up okay <laughs> so Krishna Mohini marries Aravan mm-hmm. and they have one night to be husband and wife okay and then Aravan goes out into the battle and is sacrificed and by watches dying gloriously. By, dies gloriously and then watches the rest of the battle from his severed head. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> uh-huh. And so after the battle, his remains are yeah. gathered at, yeah. the, at the conclusion of the war when he's witnessed the glorious the victory witness the glorious that his victory. sacrifice secured. His remains are gathered and Krishna Mohini ensures that he is cremated properly and goes into like full bore mourning. Okay. Breaking the bangles and Doing tearing the, the hair and the wailing and the gnashing of teeth and spends the next month Doing it proper. Yeah, spends the next month in in mourning sari, in white sari, before transforming back into Krishna and going about his usual business. Aw, that's yeah. pretty so, cool. So, like, fully embraces the, the marriage and the, the mourning of, and... of Aravan. And to this day, there are folk traditions in southern India where Aravan is celebrated and the transgender community in southern India, mm-hmm. the trans women, represent Krishna Mohini uh-huh. and show up and mourn Aravan. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, they marry and mourn Aravan and they wear mourning for a, for a month. That is a beautiful story and a beautiful tradition. Yeah. Even with the severed head on the <laughs> So I like that one. I think that That's one's cool. That's very cool. And I like that one because you can see it's a, like it's a living tradition still. Yeah. That is what makes it really cool. Yeah. And it's something that the transgender community can embrace. Mm-hmm. And it's part of their culture, their heritage, mm-hmm. their celebrations. That's neat. Yeah. I like that one. Now we have an update from our uh, Hatshepsut uh, expert. expert. Yes, Rhiannon Gray. It says, okay, as a side note, because I just read up a bit, it may not have been Thutmose III himself, but his own son, Amenhotep II, Thutmose was pretty old when it all happened, and Amenhotep had already seemingly tried some shit about claiming some of Hatechput's works as his own. I gotcha. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, Hatechput's grandson, it sounds like. Okay. All right, so tell us your next. So my next story is about Hermaphroditus, mm-hmm. who is the child of Aphrodite and Hermes. Hence the name. Hence the name. Also known as Aphroditus. Mm-hmm. Apparently, being the child of Aphrodite, mm-hmm. he was exceptionally handsome, mm-hmm. even as a baby. Like, exceptionally beautiful mm-hmm. baby. A pretty child. A pretty child who was actually nursed and cared for by naiads in the cave of Mount Ida, uh, a sacred mountain in Phryg- Phrygia, which is modern-day Turkey. Mm. Uh, but when he was 15... He got a little tired of hanging around the, the mountain, uh-huh. you know, like you do right. when you're 15. Growing up in a cave or whatever. Growing up in a cave with a bunch of, you know, naiads. You want to go out and see the world. Explore. So, explore. So that's what he did. He uh, traveled to the cities of Lycia, 
and he traveled to Korea or Korea. And it was in the woods near Korea that he encountered a nymph named Salmasis. As one so often does. Yeah. And she had a, a pool mm-hmm. in that wood. Well, as he entered the area, she saw him and lost her friggin' mind with lust. Immediately overcome. Yes. Ma'am, he is 15. He is 15. <laughs> Again, the son of Aphrodite, uh-huh. exceptionally exceptionally beautiful uh-huh. and handsome and all the all the uh you know terms yeah but but little miss nymph I you know. are probably like 100 years old and well, he is 15 yeah and this <laughs> is the problem because Solmasis was just overcome with lust to the point that she didn't care that he was a youth mm-hmm. and she tried to seduce him mm-hmm. but hermaphroditus refused her he he refused her advance not and said it. not into it lady you're a little too old for me uh-huh. thank you very much and uh plus so, he was raised by naiad so he's used to very beautiful women yeah exactly she left in a huff Mm-hmm. And thinking she had left, he removed his clothes and entered the pool mm-hmm. of water. And that's when she jumped out from behind a tree, leaped into the water, and accosted him. Oh my gosh. She wrapped herself around him. She was uh, touching and forcibly kissing him. She was attempting to rape him. Statutory rape. Statutory rape going on here. And uh, as she was doing these things, and he's fighting her. He Mm -hmm. doesn't want anything to do with this, right? Wants nothing to do with this nymph. Wants nothing to do with her, especially now. Mm Mm-hmm, yeah. But as she's doing this, she's crying out to the gods as she's wrapped around him, asking them to grant her desire that they never be parted. Well, apparently, one deity was listening. Probably not Aphrodite or Hermes. Yeah. And decided that the best way to grant this wish was to combine their two bodies. Fuse them. Into one. And so they became one being of two genders. And then apparently Hermaphroditus prayed that anyone who entered the pool would be thus transformed likewise. But this was what I thought was interesting, is that apparently Maphroditus became known as a, a marriage deity, a wedding deity, hmm. and was also seen as, pictured as a androgynous, hmm. beautiful figure that had both male and female Attributes. Attributes. Very interesting. And they would, I guess that was, you know, because in the union of marriage, it's mm-hmm. supposed to be the com- the joining of two people to right. become one. And Hermaphroditus is the most literal. It's the most literal understanding of that and interpretation. So, yeah. So, Hermaphroditus would be uh, called on in weddings. So, yeah. So, that is the, I think, a little disturbing and uh-huh, tragic yeah. story. Feel, feel bad for the for the kid. For the kid. Greek well, stories are so often like that. I would love to know how modern uh, devotees interpret that story. It would be interesting. If we, ha- if we have any Hellenics in the audience, get on the Discord yeah. and, uh, and let us know now, how you interpret that story in the modern day. And to be fair, that I believe is Ovid's telling mm. of Hermaphroditus' transformation. But there are other, a couple of other myths. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one myth, I think, that says he was born with both genders. Mm-hmm. Rand and Grace says, I mostly ignore that one. I like the baby I was born this way version. Yeah, I think the baby the born this way version is, is definitely... Less disturbing. Less disturbing. Certainly. I had not realized that I mean, I knew Aphrodite was Hermaphroditus's mother. I had not realized Hermes was Hermaphroditus's father, mm-hmm. and that that's why the name. Hermaphroditus. So that makes a lot more sense yeah, to me. Yeah, it really makes... So one more story for me, which I may or may not have told already. I do not remember. But it's always I, fun to hear these yeah, stories. Yeah, I, I went back and checked our storytelling episodes, and I don't think that I've told this one before, but I could have missed it. So this is going to be the story of Thor's wedding. I I've already Because I've already told most of the gender-bending stories in... 
Norse mythology. There are quite a few. There are quite a few, and a lot of them involve Loki, and of course I've told pretty much all of the Loki stories already. So like, mm-hmm. there's the whole deal with building the wall, you can go back and listen to that one if you uh-huh. want to hear about that time Loki becomes a mare, you know, there's... Mm-hmm. there's has a baby. Uh-huh, yeah. But so this is going to be a little less literally transformative, maybe, question mark. Mm-hmm. So, Thor wakes up one day. <laughs> we don't know what he was doing the night before, but we do know that when he wakes up, his hammer is missing. Mjolnir okay. is gone missing. I bet Mead was involved. Mead was probably involved, because I feel like for someone to get into Thor's chambers and remove the hammer from his possession mm. without him waking up suggests he was pretty toasty the night before. Mm-hmm. And he can't find it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's immediately incensed because it's not like it's going to sprout legs and walk off. This means someone <laughs> took his yeah. damn hammer. He's been thieved. He's been bethieved. He's storming around Asgard like, who took the? Who took my hammer? Which of you did it? Give it back. I need it to defend us from giants. And everybody's like, I don't, I, I don't know what to tell you, dude. It's your hammer. Nobody else touched it. If you put it down somewhere, that's your problem, not ours. And he's like, it was in my room. It's not there anymore. Somebody took it, obviously, as is usually the case. Eventually, this gets around to Loki. Mm -hmm. And Thor's like, Loki, I know it was you. You took my damn hammer. Give it back or I'll punch you without my hammer. (laughs) And and take it. And Loki's like, listen, this one won me. Innocent. Innocent. This one won me, man. I didn't do it. I have no idea where your hammer is. Literally could not tell you I was not involved. Freya nearby is like, well, I don't know where it is either. But what I do have is a magical falcon feather, which allows people who know the right ways to transform into a falcon and fly around. So, mm-hmm. Loki, since Thor is going after you on this one, I will lend you my falcon feather. You're a shapeshifter. You'll know how to use it. You can go scout out and see if you can find Thor's hammer. And Loki's like, that sounds like a great plan to me, because even if I don't find it, I get out of immediate punching range. That's right. So Loki takes the falcon feather and he transforms into a falcon and he flies off while Thor presumably continues to just rampage around Asgard behind him. And he goes flying off and he thinks, okay, all right, who could have stolen Thor's hammer? Clearly it wasn't anyone in Asgard or somebody would have fessed up by now. Thor's about to start punching people. So who's the next likeliest target? Who who most wants Thor's hammer? Well, it's got to be one of the Jotnar because Thor slays Jotnar with the the hammer all the time. So it's Mm got to be one of them trying to remove Asgard's weapon, right? So he starts flying around Jotunheim and... Like you do. mm -hmm, And spying around. And he spots one giant's hall where there seems to be a bit of a a ruckus, a bit of a party going on. Mm -hmm. So he lands and transforms back into himself so he can have a conversation. And he's like, Hey, Thrym! Thrym is one of the giants. Hey, Thrym, what's going on? Why uh, why is everybody so excited? And Thrym's like, well, you'll never believe what I did last night. (laughs) Oh, boy. And Loki's like, oh, boy, tell me, was it take a hammer out of Asgard? Because if it's that, we have a problem. And Thrym's like, yes, I did take a hammer out of Asgard, Loki, and I buried it eight fathoms deep, and I'll never tell you where, unless I am given Freya's hand in marriage. It's always poor Freya. It's always Freya. It was the that was the same thing the giant who built the wall wanted yep, was Freya's hand yep. in marriage. So Thrym's like, give me Freya's hand in marriage, or y'all will never get this hammer back. And Loki's like, well, I mm, I don't think that's gonna go well for you or anyone involved, but I'll go deliver the message, I guess. So he dons the the feather again, turns back into a falcon, flies back to Asgard real fast, lands. 
hands Freya her feather back and says, a giant wants to marry you per usual. And she says, no, thank you. Can't imagine why. Uh-huh. And so all the gods are pissed off because this is not the first time this has happened. Mm -hmm. And it's just... It's rude. It's rude. It's disrespectful. It's gotten really tedious at this point. Mm. So they start brainstorming. All right, how are we going to find this hammer and get it back without marrying Freya to some random giant who mm -hmm. snuck in and stole stuff from us already? For blackmail purposes. Mm -hmm. So the gods all get around and start arguing about what they're going to do. And Heimdall, sitting in the back, who normally doesn't speak up during these sorts of councils. He's just, you know, he just sort of listens and observes. So Heimdall speaks up. If the only way we're getting the hammer back is that Thrym marries Freya, then, I mean, Thrym has to marry, quote, Freya. Doesn't have to be Freya Freya. <laughs> it can just be somebody who looks like Freya. Thor could go dressed up as Freya and get his hammer back. And Thor says, I absolutely fucking will not do that. That sounds terrible and tedious. And I just want to go punch. I just want to go punch Thrym until he gives me my hammer back. That's <laughs> Thor's opinion of what should happen here. So Loki steps in and is like, actually, hang on. No, that's a good idea. That's smart. That's sneaky. I like sneaky. Sneaky involves a lot less of people dying. So Loki talks Thor into this, because contrary to Marvel, Loki is sort of Thor's weird uncle. And so Thor often ends up getting talked into what Loki thinks is a good idea. Mm -hmm. So Loki talks Thor into this and is like, it's okay, it'll be fine. I'll uh, I'll make sure everything goes well. I'll go with you disguised as your handmaiden. I'll, I'll kind of smooth things over, because I know you're not very, you know, skilled or practiced in the feminine graces. And I am, obviously, having been a woman several times. So I'll walk you through this. So they get Thor all prettied up and in some bridal garb and put a veil on and Loki does the same thing, but probably honestly just straight up shapeshifts into a woman because mm -hmm. he knows how to do that easily. So why would he not? So Really sell it. Exactly. And they get in Thor's chariot, drawn by his goats, and they ride out to Jotunheim. And they arrive, and Thrym is like, why are you in Thor's carriage? And <laughs> Thor's like, grumble, grumble, because it's my fucking carriage. <laughs> and Loki's like, it was lent to us to make the journey easier. And Thrym's <laughs> like, okay, all right, I guess that's legit. Freya's a delicate lady. She, you know, that's fair. So he ushers them in and is like, all right, time for the feast, the marriage feast, because obviously he's won. And Thor immediately, like, he's just, he's not in a good mood. Mm. He's in it right now. So he's eating his feelings. Oh, yeah. He eats an entire ox. He eats eight whole salmon, all the finger foods, several barrels of <laughs> mead. <laughs> Like, he's just trying, he's eating his feelings and just trying to get through this nonsense. Right. Like, if the giant's gonna feed him, sure, he'll eat the giant's food. <laughs> and Thrym is watching this like, I have never seen a woman with such a compelling appetite. <laughs> And Loki's like, no, 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 you don't understand. As soon as Freya heard that you desired her hand in marriage, she was so lovesick with desire for you that she hasn't eaten for the entire week it took us to get here. So she's just famished. That's all it is. <laughs> You're being a wonderful provider for Freya. She's very impressed. <laughs> and Thrym's like, hmm, okay, yeah, that seems legit. That, that seems fair. Okay. I am indeed a good provider. Maybe a little dim, mm -hmm. but... And Thrym is he's so overwrought by this knowledge that Freya has been desiring him okay. ever since she heard that he... He feels he must kiss his bride, even though it's early, even though it's, you know, they're not married yet. He must kiss her. So he lifts 
the veil on oh. Thor, and Thor is just glaring holes into him. Just the most intense, like, don't you fucking dare stare <laughs> that has ever been. And Thrym turns to, to Loki, the handmaid, and goes, I've never seen a woman with such piercing eyes and such threatening gaze. And Loki goes, no, 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 don't worry about it. Like I told you, this whole week she's been absolutely overcome with lust for you. So she hasn't even slept the whole time we've been going. So she's just, her eyes are very tired and intense and glittery with the intenseness of having not had any sleep. So she's just a little, she's just very eager right now. Okay. <laughs> and Thrym goes, hmm, that seems fair. And lays a kiss on Thor and goes, all right, let's do the ceremony. Oh, my goodness. And so they go through the, and Thor is just simmering with rage this entire time. And so they go through and the the ceremony begins. They go through the, the whole process and they get married. And to hallow the marriage, mm -hmm. as is tradition, they bring out the hammer and oh. lay it in Thor's lap because traditionally to hallow a union, hallow it with the hammer. You lay the hammer in the bride's lap. So they, Perfection. Yep, so they lay the hammer in Thor's lap and Loki takes one look at Thor looking down at the hammer in his own lap and steps away from the wedding party. Because <laughs> there's going to be a hurting going uh -huh. on. And Thor picks up the hammer and immediately murders his husband and then murders all of the guests and Loki says, you know, the whole point of this scheme was that we didn't have to kill everyone. And Thor says, too late, let's go home. <laughs> and that is the story of Thor's wedding. I wish you all could see <laughs> the animated way Ode is swinging a hammer, a fictitious hammer, while describing the carnage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, remember that Thor is doing this in a wedding dress. You know, it makes me wonder if maybe there was a little gender change going on because the only thing the giant com you is know, the complained eyes. about yeah. was the eyes. This is why I say, like, there's some dispute because, like, Thor in his normal guise would have, like, a full beard yeah, yeah. and, like, be very masculine. Unless but the, this giant thinks, you know, the, that Freya has that a beard. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> so either the giant is very willing to, has very broad definitions of, of what Freya might look like or Loki did a little magic on Thor as well. Magic. Unclear. <laughs> I love that story. Mm -hmm. I love all those stories. I, I feel like <laughs> stories of the Norse deities are, are just very... They're very colorful. Very colorful <laughs> and entertaining. Yeah, some of my favorites, personally. <laughs> the, that's, that's all that I have. Yes, that's all the stories I brought today. That's all the stories Gwyn brought today. There are several other. Rhiannon is sharing some other stories of Greek transgender mm. uh, mythology in the Discord. There is a lot of LGBTQ-friendly mm -hmm. stories within the Greek mythologies. Yep. And there are a lot of uh, hermaphroditic or bi-gendered gods in mm -hmm. various mythologies. Yep. A lot of them are creator deities, so mm -hmm. like Ymir whose mm -hmm. story I've also already told, was the, the giant who sort of spawned the world and mm -hmm. was a, uh, a hermaphrodite. I call them the mother-father yes. of giants. So do some do some looking up. Do some mm -hmm. research. Find out more about... Yes, celebrate pride by uh, exploring the, the queer stories in our mythologies. That's right. And the transgender stories, mm -hmm. because those are important. We need to lift up our transgender community. Especially in current days. In current days, and we need to support and share these mythologies uh -huh. and try to, under, you know, help people understand 
that this is not anything that hasn't been around. Right. It's not. It's not 21st century it's shit. It's not a know? millennial invention. It's not a mel- millennial invention. This has been around for thousands and thousands of years with humanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rhiannon says, short episode this time. That's true. But sometimes the storytelling ones are. Yeah. And we don't have any commercials to share this Yeah, week, exactly. So. That's the thing. <laughs> no commercials, though, so that shortens the episode. So you can find us on Google, if mm-hmm. you Google the number three and the letters P-A-A-C, or the number three and the words Pagans and a Cat. Mm-hmm. We have a website at threepagansandacat.com, where you can find links to assorted things like our Redbubble, our Patreon, and Gwyn's blog on Patheos Pagan. Come visit me on TikTok. Yes, visit Gwyn on TikTok. She has mm-hmm. a lot of fun there. Mm-hmm. I also have the Instagram that occasionally gets spoofed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As always, Gwyn will not message you out of the blue, so if someone does, pretending to be her, that's fake. Don't give them any money. Don't give them any money. And let me know so I can report them. We love you. Thank you for listening, for joining us, Mm -hmm. and uh, we hope you have a wonderful week. Goodbye. Goodbye. (laughs) Happy Pride. Oh, duh. Happy Summer Solstice. Oh, yes. Yeah. Bless Litha. Happy Summer Solstice. Go listen to our previous episodes about... uh, about that holiday. About that holiday, mm-hmm. which is the day this will go up live. Yep. Tomorrow, yep. the 21st. I completely forgot that. Yep. <laughs> yep. 